You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. This is Aaron Carey. And today I'm sitting down with Kashif Khan. He is an author, speaker, visionary, entrepreneur, and investor. He is the chief executive officer and founder of the DNA Company, a digital health company that uses genetic insights to develop genomics-based health management applications that offer patients precision healthcare tailored to their unique biology. If that sounds like a whole world you don't understand, we are going to get into that. Now, growing up in Vancouver, Canada, in an immigrant household, Kashif developed an industrious entrepreneurial spirit from a young age. Prior to his tenure at the DNA company, he advised a number of high-growth startups in a variety of industries. As he dove into the field of functional genomics as a CEO of the DNA company, it was revealed that his neural wiring was actually genetically designed to be entrepreneurial. I think that's fascinating. However, his genes also revealed a particular sensitivity to pollutants. Now, seeing his health from a new lens, he dove further and started to see the genetic pathways that led to his own family's challenges and the opportunities to reverse chronic disease. He talks about a lot of this in his new book, which is called The DNA Way, Unlock the Secrets of Your Genes to Reverse Disease, Slow Aging, and Achieve Optimal Wellness. He gives an action plan based on your unique genetic makeup to help you live your best life. And I can't wait to talk about all of it. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure. Awesome to be here. Yeah. Hi. You give a lot of really great personal information in your book, which I appreciate because I think it's relatable, but for people who are just diving in and going, what in the world is (laughs) functional genomics? This is all like brand new vocabulary. Can you give us kind of a brief breakdown and then we'll get into the personal? Yeah. So I think people have some idea of what genetics is Mm -hmm. and functional is just a different way of interpreting. So genetics is akin to our healthcare system, which is let's figure out what disease you have, diagnose it, and then figure out what pill you need. And genetics kind of went down the same path of disease centric. You know, let's try and find out your risk for Alzheimer's, for example. Functional genomics is like functional medicine as opposed to asking what condition you have. It's why did you get it? What's the root cause? What did you eat wrong? What was the exposure, the environmental load that perhaps your body could handle? And so we look at functional pathways that already exist, but human biology is already understood. It's what genes inform those. So we don't need to ask the question of what's my risk of Alzheimer's, but more, what do I do about it? Why did 20% not get it with that exact same genome? That's functional interpretation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, this, this science was sort of created and pioneered by us because we understood that the genome was this jewel that was meant to solve all healthcare problems and it didn't because mm-hmm. it went down this disease centric path when it shouldn't have. And and so mm-hmm. now it's very functional and it works. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause I know, you know, a lot of people will hop on 23andMe or Ancestry, right? Yeah. And you're like, ooh, what genes do I have? And oh, ooh, I might be predisposed to macular degeneration or whatever it yeah. is, right? Like they find out those fun things, but then, but then what, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so how is what you're doing different than that? So let's take the example you just gave, macular degeneration. It's a big problem. So you will find genetic reports that will tell you you have an elevated risk, 70% chance. What do you do other than wait and see and have anxiety for the next 30 years? Right. Until this thing maybe comes or doesn't come. 
Or you could think more functionally and say, that's the starting point. I see some genes that point to risk, puts me in some study profile. I now need to know what to do about it. So we then ask the question, why does macular degeneration happen? Doctors already agree that it's rooted in oxidative stress, oxidation. They know that, but they don't ask what the oxidative stress is rooted in. So we then use the genome to interpret that. And this is where we get functional and things get interesting. Mm -hmm. we, we understand that all of our cells, you have 50 trillion cells that make up your body. Each and every one of them takes in oxygen and nutrition to create energy. And in that process, of using oxygen as fuel, you create an oxidant. It's a byproduct and it's a toxin, a free radical. There's genes that determine how efficiently you do that. Uh, SOD2, GPX, these are a couple mm -hmm. of genes that operate the mitochondria and how, how efficiently does your mitochondria create energy and get rid of the byproduct. So for some people, they don't do that so well, which means they make more free radicals or oxidants, which means when they get into things like running on a treadmill, and taking in excessive oxygen and putting themselves into oxidative stress, they don't do that so well, right? It's not a good choice for them. And so all of a sudden, that's the person for whom with the exact same habits as their peers created the amount of oxidation that allowed that macular degeneration to manifest. Mm. That's a much more important answer than you have an 80% chance of MD, good luck which right. is what genetics was, right? So now all of a sudden we can target the thing that's going to cause it and take the right supplements, have the right exercise. You shouldn't be running on a treadmill. You should be resistance training. And guess what? <laughs> that condition never has to happen. Or if you have it, we can reverse it. Okay. I just got to throw this out there. I am that person that has that high risk factor. And for yeah. years I ran half marathons. So you're saying that's not what I should have done. <laughs> like, well, here's the thing. So First of all, a blanket statement, yeah, it's not the best idea. But more importantly, the your risk just points to risk, but we don't know what triggers it. Yeah. Right? The trigger, and maybe you do handle oxidation well. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your sleep. Maybe it's your maybe it's your detox pathways. So mm -hmm. for example, maybe you do a good job of dealing with the oxidation, but you don't do a good job of clearing the oxidant that you just mm -hmm. put into your bloodstream glutathione glutathione comes mm -hmm. along and gets rid of it sends it to the liver helps you pee and poop that out right mm -hmm. so we need to be very precise on where to intervene and that's functional it's like here's the Love part that. here's the link that is weak that's all we need to focus on forget about the md forget about the alzheimer's forget about the breast cancer mm -hmm. here's the biological function here's the job that your body doesn't do well and if you support that job, then you will be like your peers who didn't get the condition because they were already doing that job mm -hmm. well. So they were able to handle the load of all those marathon runs that you were doing. Right. No, that that's fascinating. And then, I mean, it, it even goes into things like the big, you know, buzzword for the last maybe seven years has been MTHFR and methylation, yeah. right? And so it can even get into things like that, right? I mean, exactly. that plays a role. So, and that's so individualized. We're talking about things that are different in everybody, Right. Yeah, and MTHFR is a perfect example of genetics versus functional. So genetics is MTHFR is off, go take some folate, right? Right. Methylation right. is this um, this process. What is methylation for? Three things. Anti-inflammatory, that's really the outcome. Uh, gene expression. So your genes are constantly reacting 
to inputs, environmental, smells, foods, whatever you're doing, your genes are speeding up or slowing down to allow you to deal with that, right? Uh, it's also taking toxins and making them water soluble. So this is all methylation. So MTHFR is a central starring character, which everybody talks about because it's the most studied, but there's an entire cascade, meaning that there's three or four steps that happen before MTHFR, and there's three <laughs> or four steps that happen after. And if you only look at this one link in the chain, how do you know how strong the chain is? And by the way, if there's a rusty chain over here or a crooked link over here, you are not fixing the right problem. So MTHFR is off. If your SHMT1 gene is also off, then you need to not take folate. You need to take folinic acid. You mm -hmm. need to be specific. The folate will actually over-methylate you and you start to get headaches yeah. and you start to, and then somebody starts masking that with other pills because they believe what they gave you was the right thing. Mm -hmm. It could be your MTR or MTRR downstream from MTHFR, and then you need more B12 and a very specific version of B12. It could be if your FUT2 gene, which means that you need your B12 under your tongue, sublingual, <laughs> because your ancestors didn't eat beef. They ate goat and lamb. So they're, you're now wired to take methylated B12 in the mouth as opposed to in your stomach. Wow. So if you don't look at the whole cascade, the context of biology, here's how the body actually works. It's a baton pass, step to step yeah. to step, close to this one gene. You're not going to have a 100% certain outcome. You're going to go into any other trial and error type solution mm -hmm. and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But the good news is we do have the ability to be precise now and we do have the ability to get it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That's super exciting because I think that that is the risk that I, especially because MTHFR kind of became the celebrity thing, right? Like in yeah. the world of, Oh, stay away from folic acids, you know, like people like sort of freaking out, but it's about so much more than that, which is what you're saying. Yeah. And it's very tailored and individualized to the person. So I love how you break that down. So let's go even more. <clears throat> Something that I think has popped up recently is the whole statement that obesity is genetic and it's, you know, deterministic, you know, your parents are overweight, you're going to be overweight. That's how it is in the story. Although, you know, I see parents who are not overweight. I see a lot of kids who are overweight. So, right. So that to yeah. me falls a little, you know, I think there's some holes in that statement anyway, just based on looking around, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Is there an obesity gene? Like, is there something that contributes to that? Like what's going on there? So contributes? Yes. But what we're being told is absolutely absurd. So what we're being told, literally on 60 Minutes, the American government went on TV and said that 80% of obesity is genetic and has nothing to do with lifestyle or nutrition. Then why didn't this problem exist two generations ago? Right. Our DNA hasn't changed. Our DNA has been the same for 250,000 years. We have not changed. Mm -hmm. That's when we became the human form that we are, right? And our food and our seed oils and our environment and our stress, et cetera, et cetera, do play a factor. Now there are genes that point to obesity. The FTO gene makes it difficult for you to experience satiety, meaning mm. your stomach and your brain don't communicate well. And so you may go for seconds and thirds, but if you know that you now know what the problem is, you need to plate your food and visually understand what the right amount is. And you need to create a sense of fullness by perhaps adding some liquid. There's the MC4R gene, which prevents your palate, your mouth from getting satisfied. 
and these people often binge and graze they, they go at the pantry and it's like the doritos and the cookies after dinner i'm just not satisfied right mm. so if you know that's a problem that you just need to create the satisfaction you need variety this is actually a coping mechanism of our ancestors where they sought out variety to get mm. more nutrition and we mm. still have that even though we have a fridge full of variety that we need to stay away from right then there's there's hormones how many women are estrogen dominant. And it doesn't matter what you do with calories or how many hours you spend on the treadmill, your hormones are driving your body type yeah. and you're designed to store fat to be a healthy mother, right? That that's, it's an actually a coping mechanism of a woman trying to stay healthy in a time when there was no, no food for which the genes, that's still what we're inheriting. Our bodies don't know that the world has changed, right? So all the, and that can go on. There's so many factors. But the un, the blanket statement that genetics is 80% of obesity is, is nonsense. Um, there are so many factors that are genetic. Every single one of them is manageable. And it's a tiny, tiny fraction that is actually genetic, meaning that your genes equal obesity. That's the, the message that we're getting. That's true. A tiny, tiny, tiny fraction. The vast majority... There may be some genetic suboptimability somewhere. You can figure out what it is. You can work on it. And that problem does not need to happen. We just don't know. There's so many things we need to, you know, there's a lot of great information out there on how to change your body, right? If that's your goal. And the challenge of the one size fits all is you go through so much trial and error. And the trial and error is frustrating because you fail. And the person said, this works. But if you ask that person, they probably tried six, seven, eight, ten different things before they finally found that thing, which is why they talk so much about it, because it's so powerful for them to finally succeed. So all we're saying is, if you understand the genetics, it's not that you have this prescription for obesity, you know exactly what to focus on. And if you do that one thing, obesity goes away. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So right now we're seeing this trend. I know it's really blowing up in where I live and, and a lot of the moms housewives are really into this and it's the Ozempic craze, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We're seeing this. I mean, the celebrities are doing it. What are your thoughts on something like that? Yeah. And the celebrities doing it aren't doing it because they're doing it. They're doing it because they're the tools to promote it. <laughs> right. So it, it, it's one of the biggest TikTok campaigns the world has ever seen. 300 million views in a matter of weeks. So very purposeful. And it's no coincidence that that campaign dropped the week after the government came on 60 minutes saying that obesity is genetic, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, the timing is yeah. a little serendipitous there. So, mm -hmm. uh, so now, okay, it works. You're going to probably lose fat. It is probably not the best option if you want to. Con There's a difference between fitness and health. We saw during the drop of COVID-19, when it hit the world, how many fit people got very sick. You, when, if you're not metabolically healthy, your cells are not thriving. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. You're not designed for longevity. Health and fitness are two very different things. So to melt fat off your body without addressing the root cause of why you got fat in the first place, you are still metabolically unhealthy which means you will still get hit hard by a virus. You will still age faster. You will still die earlier. You will still get cardiovascular disease. You may still get cancers, right? So you need to understand that 
fat retention and body type is your body screaming to you that you've made the wrong choices and we need to dig deeper and figure out what those wrong choices were to solve much bigger problems that you don't see on the inside metabolic dysfunction you know this is this is the plague of our current reality is this metabolic dysfunction we are Absolutely. all you know it's i think the cdc uh, said that only 5% of americans are actually in good metabolic health i've heard that that's shocking and but maybe not it's a problem yeah. i mean if you i'm i'm canadian every time i fly down and land in any american city for a conference or whatever there's always this culture shock mm. of seeing what the people look like and seeing what the food looks like right and you know, I, I was just at a conference literally a couple of weeks ago and uh there was a lot of people that flew over from europe for this conference and they literally the comment over and over and over again what is happening in this country mm-hmm. right? so it's not a genetic problem because your same ancestors still live in europe they right. still live in asia they still live in africa why don't they look like you because they don't have the seed oils they don't have the high carb diet they don't have the high fructose corn syrup which by the way there's a study that was done where people went on high fructose corn syrup diets and after uh six days their body increased the ability to create fat 600 percent wow so what it does to your liver and the ability for your liver to take this sugar and turn it into fat 600 percent increase right our hormones and the estrogen mimics in the environment all the chemicals that women are breathing in all the birth control pills that women are taking all the hormone treatments that women are taking without understanding their the genetics of their hormone cascade and why all of a sudden they're storing and creating all this fat mm-hmm. right some people the environmental toxins in our environment the pesticides the glyphosates the chemicals your body will intelligently try and protect you from those chemicals that are now in your blood that cause inflammation and disease by storing them in fat which mm-hmm. means you need fat so there's all these factors that are the yeah. the reasons, the true why do I look like this or feel like this? And if you start to chip away at them, there's absolutely no reason for you to feel like that. And the, the proof is in the pudding. We work with people regularly. We put hundreds of people through weight loss programs where none of it had to do with calories or exercise. It all had to do with all of the above that we just talked about, that yeah. it was completely outside of their awareness that they then start to believe is genetic because they're stuck. And nothing mm-hmm. works, but you're just fixing the wrong problem. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing about believing it's genetic, it's it, what's tricky is that if you say it's all genetic, then it's out of your control. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's just something happening to me. Right. It's yeah. just happening to me. I guess that's how it is. So body positivity, love how I am, whatever. And there's nothing wrong with being body positive. I love that. I love taking ownership for your health. And however, you know, one of my good friends always says practice with the body you have today. I love that. However, mm-hmm. there is some accountability. There is some personal ownership that we do need to take. And so if yeah. we are just saying genetics, our hands are off. Right. But if we say that it's not genetics, does that mean we might actually have to do something? Exactly. And that's why that messaging, you know, happens to come around the time of a solution for someone who's stuck in Canada, like Ozempic drops. Right. Right. When we are told that there's nothing you can do about this, it's genetic. And yes, body type is, should be celebrated, right? Body positivity, unhealthy, poor metabolic health. When you've got to that point, I don't believe we celebrate that. 
that you know, once we start to normalize that, then it, it, be, it becomes prolific like it is. Mm. Once we start to say that you're a victim of something as opposed to your habits got you there. And by the way, I'm not saying this as a criticism of people. I'm saying that people don't know that their habits got them there. Because if everybody around you eats the same and has the same habits and breathes in the same chemicals and all has the same outcome, then you're going to believe it's normal. Mm -hmm. right? Until that community gets educated that their habits got them there. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and people with the exact same genetics as you down the street or in a different city don't have the same problems because their habits are different. So really it's just the choices you make that got you there unfortunately you just were told you weren't told what choices to make and, and it's quite easy once you get there i hate to interrupt today's episode but i have an important question for the listeners what are you making for dinner tonight contrary to popular belief healthy eating does not have to be complicated or boring children and adults can learn that food is fun delicious and makes us feel better even when it's not pizza. I know we all kind of like pizza too. But if you are looking for the ultimate resource to help your family eat healthier, nutrient-dense foods, to fire up those neurotransmitters, to improve brain health, to improve energy function, then look no further. My friend, pediatrician, Dr. Alina Oltiano, and I have come up with a recipe book just for you. It's called Brain Food for the Whole Family, and it is available now on Amazon. Get that recipe book, and I guarantee it's going to give you some practical tips and tools that you and your kids will enjoy. It's filled with really colorful pictures and descriptions of what our bodies need to function best and my kids love it. I ran it by them first and they love it. They love learning about how foods make them feel. I will drop the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Well, I mean, you mentioned things like seed oils, right? And things right. like pesticides and all of this that can, I mean, it, it creates all sorts of mitochondrial dysfunction, but we're not, that's not being told, you know, it's being told to maybe cut calories and exercise more, right. Do more running, <laughs> create more oxidative stress if, if you're predisposed. Right. So, yeah, I mean, so what, so tell me, what would you say to that? Like, how do we, how do we address this in, in a bigger way? So like you said, the, the people that are supposed to be helping us quite clearly aren't, you know, if you look at the this new food pyramid that's being built. There's this new algorithm that's supposed to teach us what the right choices are. And it's not supposed to point to specific foods. It's supposed to point to types of foods, but then you use the algorithm to find specific foods. In that, if you use it, uh, fake eggs, so eggs that are made out of basically oil and you know chemicals, mm -hmm. rank almost four times higher than real eggs that are cooked in butter. Wow. Lucky Charms rank more than double me, uh, beef. Ugh. A box of Lucky Charms cereal, our U.S. federal government is telling us are a healthier option if you use their algorithms. They don't, they don't call out specific brands or anything, but if you use their algorithm, Lucky Charms ranks higher than beef. Wow. Yeah. So now if that's the context, like this, which is important to understand the context first then the tools of your clinician probably are broken because that's what they rely on. Mm -hmm. And no fault of their own, their training limits them to what their colleges allow. And they also believe this to be true, right? The, what, what they're being taught, they believe to be true. So really the reality is the healthiest people today 
are that in that position because they took charge of their own health. Talk to healthy people, talk to fit people. They learned on their own. Talk to functional medicine doctors. Almost every functional medicine doctor will have the same story. I was so sick. Nobody could help me. Every doctor told me which pill to take. And they never would answer the question of why I got sick in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then I started to learn. I started to research. And guess what? I reversed my Lyme disease. I got rid of my brain fog. My endometriosis went away. And now I need to tell everybody. And I built a practice around me being the migraine guru. And I fix everybody's migraines, right? So you'll, why is it that there's all these clinicians all over the country that can actually solve problems? But their toolkit isn't armed with allopathic medicine, with chemical-based medicine. It is armed with making the body homeostatic. Let's look at the systems and make mm -hmm. sure that they're firing properly. And if your cells are healthy, 14 of the 15 top killers in the United States are all rooted in the same thing, inflammation. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're all the same thing. So if your cells are healthy and there's no inflammation, you cannot get all of the top chronic diseases that kill you and age you, right? So really functional medicine is let's keep the cell healthy so that right. you don't get a disease. Whereas medicine is like, let's wait for you to get a disease and then mask it and manage it and treat it until you die, right? Mm -hmm. And guess what? The, the, the other one of the 15, I said 14 of the top 15 killers are inflammation. The 15th, which is actually the number three killer is medical error. It's just your doctor making a mistake. Yeah which also starts an in inflammation because that's why you went to the doctor in the first place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you understand that we don't at the genetic level all have the same risk factors, why do I have inflammation? Is it because of my hormones? Is it because of my oxidation? Is it because of my glutathione? Is it because of my methylation? There's all these different systems that are supposed to support cellular health. If you can dive into your genome and figure out which one is not working well, and you prioritize and focus on that with the right supplements or the right habits, you're not going to get sick. It, it, it's, it's that simple. And we see, and I'm saying this with this level of confidence, because we've worked on over 7,000 people and seen them reverse their cholesterolemia, seen them reverse their dementia, found the root cause of their breast cancer and prevented it from coming back over and over and over and over and over again. And this is why we're so sort of passionate about sharing the message. Yeah, I love it because I also, I believe in it. So, I mean, I was diagnosed with all the mental health things and it's like, well, it's in your family, it's genetics, yeah. whatever, like that's just how it is. And I've been symptom-free for well over a decade because I was like, eh, let me do some digging. Yeah. <laughs> There's gotta be something else, you know, there has to be, and there is, there are so many other things. And I know you talk a little bit about your niece and her anxiety in your book. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think that that will really, I know so many parents are concerned about teen anxiety, teen depression, a lot of that happening right now. So I'd love to hear that story. Yeah, sure. So th that's a perfect example. Let's take an actual case study right? Of how we can apply this and how, why disease is optional and it doesn't need to happen. So, and by the way, this, this story, this is the reason why we became like a commercial testing company. We were a research company. We were just trying to change what people and clinicians and hospitals believe about what's possible. And so we were doing this research. And then when this happened to her, I realized, wow, everybody needs this now. And so we started offering tests to the public. So she, um, had an issue where she had an anxiety attack. I got a call from her mom and my mom, who they, the three of them lived together, my niece, my mom, and her mother. And 
she sort of collapsed to the ground, couldn't breathe. So I called a friend who's a pediatrician and he said, yeah, it sounds like an anxiety attack. If it happens again, let me know because it sounds like it's over now, right? So I got another call sometime later and this time everyone was frantic because when she had her attack, she fell over and hurt herself. So she landed on a hard table and they thought that she broke something. So I had to take her into clinic. So I called my pediatrician friend again. He got me in and all these blood test scans. I think we were there for a good six hours. Uh, and at the end of all of that, what we were told was, if it happens again, let us know. Right? And I knew what that meant. That meant if it happens again, she's getting diagnosed with anxiety and we're going to tell you what pill she has to take. Mm -hmm. And I re realized at that time, I have to dig into this and look at her genome, which by the way, I, I did have her genetics at the time. Uh, but we were still a research company, so it wasn't applied in an easy-to-use format. It was a bunch of data. So um, I went back to work, and I didn't do anything, right? <laughs> I'm guilty just like any other uncle or parent. I didn't do anything. So it happened again, but this time my mother called me crying and bullying, saying your niece has run away from home. So she left a, a completely out of character, sweet, innocent young girl mm -hmm. that you would never, ever think. There's no reason for this to happen. So I get this call and I, I told him, don't worry, like for her running away from home, she's probably like down the street. She's like, we'll figure it out. And lo and behold, I drive over there. She's literally standing outside the building, not knowing what to do. And I ask her, like, what is it? Is it like an internet bullying thing? Is it work? Like, what's the pro problem here? She didn't know. Mm -hmm. She was just running away from that space, the feeling, right? She wow. just didn't know what to do. So that's when I literally opened up my phone, opened up my email, pulled up her data and started to look at it there. And the first thing that sort of clued in, and remember when we're looking at solving problems genetically, I'm not looking for an anxiety gene. What I'm looking for is what biological processes are not operating at their best and how does that get interpreted for this problem? Because the same, whether it's hormone, neurochemical, whatever, can manifest so many different problems depending on what your habits are and what the mm -hmm. context is. So in her case, it happened to equal anxiety. So mm -hmm. the first red flag was her hormones were completely unbalanced. So the, the hormone cascade of progesterone becomes testosterone, becomes estrogen. Women and men, we all do the same thing. Women do it monthly, men do it daily. There's genes that drive every step. And so she was completely suboptimal there. And at the beginning of the monthly cycle is when you have the least hormones, you just finished getting rid of everything. For her, there was a much deeper valley she went into. Oh, so the wow. level was much lower. Then I realized, wait a second, I started looking at my mom's calls and text messages and like clockwork, they were every 28 mm -hmm. to 30 days, right? Wow. So I went and called my mom and said, what part of her cycle was she in? And she said, you're right. It was right when it started. So that was in that place where she was already at the bottom and she goes way deeper. That's when these, th uh, these episodes were happening. So I parked that for a second and I started to look for other red flags. And I saw that her vitamin D cascade was completely broken. Mm. So vitamin D is so much more important than what, what we think. It's not actually a vitamin, it's a hormone. I believe it's been rebranded as a vitamin because it's so important. If we all had enough, there'd be a lot less disease. Of the 22,000 genes that make up your genome, 2,000 require adequate vitamin D in order to function properly. So 10% wow. of human biochemistry is dependent on this one thing that we need. So now the way your body uses vitamin D is there's one gene that takes D2 from the sun and converts it into D3. 
There's another gene that then transports this D3, D3 that you made and moves it to the cell where you actually need it. To, it's like a transport gene. Then there's another gene that binds it and actually gets it into the cell, which is where you actually need it. So any one of these could be doing a good or bad job. She was doing a bad job all the way across. Hmm. So I looked for other red flags, like why did this now equal an anxiety issue? So I started to look at her neurochemical genes and I saw the same thing that I have, which is her ability to bind and experience dopamine. Dopamine is a chemical that lets you experience pleasure and reward. There's a gene called DRD2, which um, determines how dense the receptors are in your brain. And she has the least possible density. So it's very hard for her to experience pleasure or accomplishment, dopamine. It also gets cleared super quick. COMPT is a protein that gets rid of the dopamine mm -hmm. to bring you back to normal. Hers is super fast. So it's felt way down here and it doesn't last long enough. This all happened during peak COVID two years ago in the winter in Toronto. Oh, wow. She hadn't been outside in five months hmm. in the winter where she already wasn't getting enough vitamin D because there's no sunshine and she hadn't been outdoors. So system failure, right? Hmm. And this, the answer to this would have been, here's your anxiety pill. Yeah. And you're probably going to need it for the rest of your life. <laughs> A lot of young women, teens get onto these pills and in their early twenties, they kind of get off them when they start to be more conscious about their health and make right choices, which kind of fixes the underlying root problems. Right. You see this consistent mm -hmm. story. She would have been on this pill today. Instead, what happened is I gave her high dose vitamin D. 10,000 IU per day, but I split it because keep in mind, she not only didn't metabolize it well, but she also didn't transport and bind it. Yeah. So she needed multiple doses. If I gave her all that 10,000 IU up front, it wouldn't, it would have gone stored into her fat. She wouldn't have used it. Mm -hmm. But instead I gave her three doses so that she gets little micro hits, right? Then I gave her L-theanine, which allows you to boost dopamine in the brain and experience that level of satisfaction and pleasure. That was it. That's really? all. That's all I and guess what? Since that day, she has never had this problem again. It's been two years. Wow. Right? So what would have happened is anxiety pill for the next decade, probably until she kind of figured things out and got healthy. Uh, she didn't have an anxiety problem. She had a genetic avatar that was wired for dysregulated hormones, dysregulated vitamin D, and mood issues based on dopamine that when you put in the context of, I haven't been outside in five months and have zero vitamin D, you push yourself beyond a threshold that you can actually cope and you get a system failure. And this is why genetics isn't enough. Epigenetics. So genetics is mm -hmm. here's your genes. Epigenetics is here's your environment, nutrition, and lifestyle choices. The two of those together is the complete answer. Here's your genome. Here's the red flags. Here's the jobs that your body doesn't do well. Now, if you go make these choices, here's all the problems you're going to have. If you go make these choices, here are all the problems you're going to avoid. And it really is that simple. But it took us three years of research to get to this, right? Yeah. Of studying that. So it, and it becomes so practical and actionable once you think of it in the context of how we actually live and the choices we have to make. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So you're saying that instead of treating the symptoms, you actually went and supported the function. <laughs> you supported yes. the, the cause, what was going on to drive the symptoms. And that's a totally different thing. 
Yeah, we found the innate biological failure. What jobs did her body not do well? And how does that uh, relate to the symptom she's feeling? Right? How does that potentially... So there's some interpretation there. There's some detective mm -hmm. work, right? But once you start to think this way, it becomes intuitive. Once you start, once you stop thinking about your body symptomatically and start thinking about it at the system level, mm. once you start understanding the inner workings of your body, which is not that difficult, by the way, there's a, several core systems you need to understand. And those same core systems apply to everything. All of these, like we already said that all the major diseases are rooted in inflammation. Mm -hmm. She was also suffering inflammation at the time. She was suffering neural inflammation, right? So again, understanding how the systems work and you can start to be your own health advocate and solve these problems yourself. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite phrase, be your own health advocate. That's so important because that is life-changing and yeah. it is as scary as it may feel to, you know, put it all in your hands. If you're doing it through a support, like a company like yours, right. And through people, other functional medicine providers who get this, it's not just all on you. There are supports in place. And so can you tell a little bit about your company and, and how you work with people? Sure. So um, it wasn't easy, but we created a panel that makes this easy to use. So one of the, there's two big challenges with genetics. What we've been talking about all along, which is genetics is, hey, you have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. Good luck. That wasn't good enough. It was more like, well, what do I do about it? That's the most important thing you, you can tell me. Um, so that was one is building the insights that actually solve the problems as opposed to warn you of the problems. Uh, the second was making it easy to use. Me, myself, by the way, the reason why we even do this is because I used my genome to heal myself. I had five chronic conditions, right? Wow. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And now I'm thriving. I've reversed my biological age. I'm younger now than I was five years ago internally. I've measured this. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. So literally, when we started this journey, I was 38 years old. And biologically, I was 43. So I was five years mm -hmm. older than myself inside. And there's ways to measure this. I now actually am 43, by the way. And I'm biologically 33. Right. Wow. So I've actually reversed the clock on biological age. And I feel it in terms of energy levels, mental health, all that stuff. But, mm. uh, you know, regardless, it's like I needed it to be easy. So we built this product in the way I wish it was when I started this journey, which is I don't need to know about the genes. I don't need to know the science. Just tell me what's broken and how to fix it. Right. It's got to be that easy or else mm -hmm. it's hard. That's good. Yeah. And the second part is how what habits do I need to do? It's one thing to be told, here's what's wrong and here's how to fix it. It's a whole other thing to create some accountability and the habit formation that's required to actually make these things stick because uh, most people won't do it. It's like, wow, this was interesting. Here's the drawer. I'm going to shove this in and I'll never look at it again. Right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Versus tell me some easy stuff that when I read it, it sounds so easy. It's kind of like I already knew this, but now I'm going to go do it. So, so those are the kind of key things. So there's a test that goes through your genome and it will report back to you on all the major systems, cardiovascular, brain, diet, nutrition. Should I actually be on a keto diet? Should I be vegan? You know, hormones and body type. And how do I actually put on muscle and burn fat? And everything about innate cellular health, detoxification, anti-inflammatory response. How do I keep my cells healthy? Sleep. Why is it that I can't fall asleep or I can't stay asleep or I do sleep, but I don't feel rested? Genetically, those are all quite different. And then longevity. How do I add? a decade or two to my mm -hmm. life. Here's where I think I'm going. No, I'm going to add 
I'm going to stretch that goal out. And guess what? It's not just years, but it's quality. It's health span, not just lifespan, right? So that's what we, we report on. There's some people that need to dive deeper. You know, it's like, hey, my mom had Alzheimer's. I don't want that. Uh, I've been told by a doctor that I have breast cancer risk. I need to avoid that. That's where we do have clinicians and a clinical team that can dive deeper and build programs for people. Let's actually work on this problem and make sure it doesn't manifest. Or if you actually are sick, let's help you reverse it as opposed to treat it. Um, so not necessary for everybody, but for people that are actually trying to solve a problem, we have sort of various levels of programs people can get into. Yeah. Yeah. That is so exciting. Okay. So tell me your website and also um, the name of your book again, let's throw that out there. So people are aware. Sure. Yeah. And that's an easy way to start. So the DNA way um, is, I mean, that's the book and we, I wrote it because around the time of my niece's issue, that's when I realized, wow, everyone needs to know. We, I wasn't thinking like that before. That was more like we're a research company. I healed myself. The research was kind of broken. I see an opportunity here in terms of business. I'm going to build a research company to help clinicians learn. Then it became about impact. Like, wow, my arthritic mother is out of bed and going to the gym. Mm. My anxiety-induced niece is now a straight-A student. You know, my kids that were struggling are now like, so over and over and over again, people kept getting healed. And that's where I realized I had to write the book. And it was meant to be because one of our patients was the CEO of a publishing company who at the same time said, you need to write a book. Right. And so we worked out this deal and it just landed now after a year or so of grinding away. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a great resource for people to learn how to rethink how your body works. The testing is at the dnacompany.com. So you're welcome to go there, check it out. I've actually posted my own reports. I have nothing to hide. So if you mm -hmm. want to see what the reports look like, you can go take a look uh, at the dnacompany.com and order the DNA360 test. And then you'll be informed on how to make all the right choices. The other thing that I knew I needed that didn't exist was interpretation. Mm. And this is another thing that I think genetic testing companies get wrong. It's like, here's the data. Now go figure it out. No, we offer a lot more support. So anyone that gets a test, we have ongoing live events that you can attend with your report in your hand to learn about mental health, disease prevention, hormones, sleep, et cetera. And we know that getting the results is one thing, but actioning it is a whole other scope of work. And so we have these constant ongoing live events where you can come, learn, ask questions, solve your problems. Um, and that's really changing lives for people. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a really big following on Instagram and you post some amazing things on there. I was just, I wanted to ask you about the fishbowl example, but I'll just have yeah. listeners go search for the, and I can't remember, it's the video you were presenting somewhere and you gave this example of a fishbowl and it was like, yes, it was such a great analogy about the problems with our current healthcare system, which yeah. is not necessarily a health care system. Right. And that's the whole point of the fishbowl example. And so I want listeners to check that out. And, and, um, that is now remind me it's Kashkan official, right? Yeah, is that the Instagram? Yeah. K A S H. It's not my full name. So K A S H K H A N official and Instagram really for me is where I go to vent, you know, <laughs> every day we're just seeing the nonsense of this healthcare system and we're slowly trying to fix it. And it's not just us. There's a lot of great innovative companies that are doing stuff outside of the system. You'll see things like Aura Ring and gut microbiome testing and amazing supplements. And everybody knows there's better ways to solve these problems. And so it's emerging post-COVID 
even more so people are demanding solutions now they've understood how fragile we all are and so there's there's a lot of people doing this work and every day we just see another silly story of somebody that was completely abused through the healthcare system and so i go on instagram and i vent and i rant and there's some learning for people what's actually making us sick that we aren't told so you can yeah. maintain your health yeah i love it now last question i gotta ask the name of the show is sparking wholeness so if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness what would it be well in the theme of a spark it's that aha moment, that eureka moment that I hope what everybody gleaned today is that, wow, chronic disease is optional, right? What do we believe? That the United States, the average American has their first chronic disease at 55. They have two by 65 and they spend the last 15 years of their life in treatment. Mm. Your entire life's work is built to spend on your healthcare. That's the American dream right now. You work, 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 work to lose all your money to illness. Yeah. 66% of American personal bankruptcies are based on healthcare costs today. Right? So understand that if you were not born with it, if it's not an innate genetic condition, you don't have it. <laughs> you cause it. Chronic disease is optional if you understood why it happens. I had five of them and I don't have any right now. Yeah. Right. So it's the proof is here. So if that's the spark that you get today on it, that sets you on this path of then understanding how your body works and how to start to make the right choices and understanding your genome and what your red flags and weaknesses are and supporting those weak links in the chain and then knowing the chain itself is strong and can prevent disease. That's true and possible. It's not science fiction. It is reality and it's happening today. Yeah. Yep. That's so good. And thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I want listeners to make sure and grab your book because this is important, valuable information to be your own health advocate. So thanks again for, for just giving such a great discussion on this. Oh, pleasure. And thank you for what you do because we need more people like you educating the world. Thank you. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.